Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. All right, well, hey, good morning and happy Sunday to you. Thank you for joining us from wherever you're joining us from. Uh, We're excited to have you online, those of us here in the room. And uh, I know you're jealous because you're not here with us, but that's okay. Very soon we'll be back in this building together and I cannot wait for that moment. Uh, In light of the fact that my beautiful wife uh, exhorted us already in our giving, I'm gonna just jump right into the word today. You guys up for that? All right, we're going to get right into it. Last week, we started a brand new series entitled Reset, where we're talking about establishing some non-negotiables in our life this year. Uh, We started that series out by giving you a definition that I'd like to give once again so that we've got a a firm foundation to start on today. But uh, the definition for the word reset is to set or establish again or to start over. Uh, Based on that definition last week, we determined that if reset means to set or to establish again, then we could deduce that set by itself means to establish or to make something permanent in the first place. And in an effort to ensure that we don't go back and do another reset series in 2022, we need to ensure that this year we truly do establish and set some things into place. The things that God is asking us, the things that God is telling us to commit to, we need to right now at the beginning of 2021, we need to commit and establish those things. In fact, that's what we talked about last week, if you recall. Uh, We talked about that word that everybody's terrified of and everybody shies away from. We talked about commitment, yeah. And our thesis for the day was that true commitment requires the abandoning of every other option. We must eliminate every other option in our life if we're truly going to commit to what God is asking us to do this year. And I hope that over the last couple of days that the Holy Spirit has shared with you some of the options that you need to eliminate so that you can truly commit to the things of God this year. Because I want to be a part of a church community that is willing to burn the boats, say yes to the call, count the cost, and run after everything Jesus has for us this year. Anybody else for that today. Come on, I want to be a part of a passionate, God-centered, moving community in 2021. Uh, And so this week, as we continue on in the conversation, I I want to look at that thought about commitment a little bit further, maybe unpack it a little bit more. And I want to stir up, if I could, over the next couple of moments, the inner aggressor in all of you. I want to talk about fighting today. Come on, how many of you are the challengers, the fighters, the people that like to get into the occasional argument or debate? Come on, where are you at today? All my, all my type eight Enneagram people, yeah, yeah, yeah. This message is gonna be right up your alley. You're gonna love everything I'm gonna say for the next couple of moments. Uh, for the peacemaking, uh, you know, uh, people that like to like kind of shy away from confrontation, maybe the passive aggressive types, uh, my bad. You ain't gonna like this. It's gonna be, I'm sorry. I'll just say it up front. Because here's the deal, the Bible has a lot to say about fighting. The Bible has a lot to say about battling and warring in the spirit. In fact, last year, uh, we did an entire series called Fight Right out of the book of Ephesians chapter six, where we talked about the spiritual warfare that we're all engaged in, whether we like it or not. Uh, The apostle Paul said to Timothy in uh, 1 Timothy chapter six, verse 12, I believe, he said, Timothy, I want you to fight the good fight of faith. And I've said this many times before, I'm gonna say it again today. As far as I'm concerned, there's only one kind of fight that qualifies as a good fight, the fight that I win, all right? If I am down on the ground and I'm a beaten bloody mess and my enemy's got his foot on my throat, that is not a good fight. But come on, if I'm victorious, if I'm standing over the neck of my enemy, then that was a good fight. And I believe God has called us this year to fight some good fights in the spirit, to truly do some warfare in the spirit. 
And if 2020 kind of took the fight out of you, if 2020's mandate for you to stay physically retreating from other people kind of leaked its way into your spirit and you're retreating a little bit in your faith, my job today is to stir you up, get you back on the battlefield and get you to hold some ground in the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody, it's gonna be fun. In fact, that's what I wanna title this chat. If you're taking notes today, I wanna call this chat, Hold Your Ground. Come on, say it with me. Hold Your Ground. Uh, we're going to look at a story in the book of First Chronicles of Narnia, chapter 11. That joke never gets old to me. I'm going to use it every single time I, I preach about that book. Uh, First Chronicles, chapter 11. So if you have a Bible, uh, you can turn there today. Um, but we're going to look at a story of a guy named Eleazar. And Eleazar was named among King David's mighty men. The book of 2 Samuel chapter 23, it lays out a number of men that David called his mightiest warriors or his mightiest men in battle. Uh, he had a massive army and as the king, they were very victorious. Uh, they were feared among all the surrounding nations. But among this massive army, there was a group of 37 guys that were considered David's mighty men. And they always got sent out to the most impossible situations. They would be like the, the Navy SEALs or the army rangers of, of, of his army. And uh, there were situations where like one guy went out, he had a spear and he killed 800 people all by himself one time. Like this dude was bad to the bone. There was a guy named Benaiah who wrestled a lion into a pit on a snowy day and killed him with his bare hands. Come on, that's on like WWE kind of stuff right there. You know, just like, ah, like these, these guys were the real deal. But, but among the 37, there were three that were considered the mightiest of the mighty, the most uh, fearsome of the fearsome. And, and they, were, uh, they, they were mentioned both in 2 Samuel chapter 23 and again here in 1 Chronicles chapter 11. And Eleazar was named among those three of the mightiest men. And we're gonna look at his story and determine why he was one of those mighty men. It says in uh, chapter 11, verse 12, it says, next in rank among the three was Eleazar, son of Dodo, a descendant of Ahoha. Well, just stop right there for a moment. If you're wondering why this guy had to like prove himself on the battlefield, it's right there. Dad's name was Dodo, all right? You know that dude got picked on in school and he had to make a name for himself. He's like, I'm gonna prove that I'm not a Dodo like my father and I'm gonna fight. So there it is. Anyway, it goes on to say, um, he was with David when the Philistines gathered for battle at Pazdamim and attacked the Israelites in a field full of barley. The Israelite army fled, but Eleazar and David held their ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines so the Lord saved them by giving them a great victory that day. Eleazar and David held their ground. Come on, we're gonna get into this today and I believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, something is gonna transmit into your heart today, transmit into your being today and you are going to stand some ground in 2021. We're gonna fight like we've never fought before. Let me pray and we'll get into this. Uh, Jesus, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of every single person who was called upon your name. And even the enemy who thought he had taken you down in the grave didn't know what was coming three days later. You would not stay down. You were a warrior. You got back up and you fought for us. 
And so I pray that that same spirit that the Bible says is resident in us would be stirred up today by your word. Your word doesn't just have the power to tickle our intellect. Your word has the power to change our lives. And so today, as we go to your word, I pray that it would do just that, that we begin to see our world and our situations and our lives differently, and you would stir up a fight on the inside of us. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. All right, I'm gonna ask everybody a question today and I want you to think about this because for those of you watching online, I want you to put this in the chat. Uh, for those in the room, I want you to call this out, okay? So here's the question. If you had to pick your favorite movie genre, one that you could only watch for like the rest of your life, what movie genre would it be? Come on, what do you got? Uh, what was that? Comedy, I got comedy, I heard some drama, I heard Disney, I heard action. I didn't know Disney was like a, maybe it is, I don't know, a genre, for sure, yeah. Yeah, I think you can tell a lot about a person based on the kind of movie genre that they like. In fact, believe it or not, there's been some scientific studies on this, and there's been a correlation between people's personality types and the kind of movies that they like. And now, this is not a perfect science, just to be clear, I don't intend to throw everybody under the same exact bus, but... Based on the research, if you like certain types of movies, we could assume that you are a certain kind of way. Let me give you an example. Uh, the research shows that if you like romance movies, chances are you're probably single, or you're searching for the one, or you're currently in a relationship with someone that you don't like very much, <laughs> and so you're trying to find out what you could like by watching these movies. Because we all know, right, that once you're in a deeply committed relationship, a long-term relationship, you realize that those movies are completely bogus, that there's no way any real relationship operates like that. And, and you're like, this is garbage, this is trash. Get me onto something that's a little more realistic. Uh, again, I'm not typecasting anybody, this is the research, all right? Uh, the research shows that if you like drama movies, and those are the kind of movies that you gravitate towards, the chances are you probably have a lot of drama in your life, that you are hyper-emotional and everything feels heavy or weighty and you're all up in your feelings all the time and your life is just a roller coaster of emotions. I'm not trying to like put anybody down and this is just what the research shows. Uh, the research also so shows that if you like sci-fi or fantasy movies, uh, that you probably don't have very many friends. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding, that wasn't nice. But it's probably true. Uh, <laughs> you can tell a lot about a person based on the kind of movies that they gravitate towards. Now, you could probably assume based on my personality, in fact, I think I may have mentioned this before from the stage, but my favorite movie genre, hands down, is action. I'm an action dude. I'm an adrenaline junkie when it comes to movies. Give me a car chase scene, some nuclear weapon that's about to take over the world, a couple of cool guys walking away from explosions without looking at them, and some cheesy one-liners, you know, something like, you know, uh, uh, I'm gonna take you to the bank, the blood bank, or, you know, you're a disease and I'm the cure. <laughs> like, I am all about those movies. In fact, that last line could probably be used in a romance as well, couldn't it, you know, it's, an, it's a pickup line. You're a disease and I'm, maybe not, I don't know, okay. But I'm all about the Tom Cruise, Matt Damon, like the mindless action movies. I love those movies. If I'm sitting down on the couch and we're gonna rent a movie, that's where we're going every single time. Now, I think the reason, or at least one of the reasons that I really enjoy action movies is because there's something in me that just loves to see someone who refuses to back down. Think about every action movie you've seen for just a moment. There's a person, a character, a hero or a heroine that it doesn't matter how much they're opposed or how badly they've been beaten down or how much the odds are stacked against them, 
There is a moment where that person crawls up off the ground or they find their way out of that situation and they just continue to fight until they see victory. They refuse to quit. They refuse to allow the impossibility of their situation to take them down. They are a fighter. They hold their ground. And this is the scene, if you will, that we get a glimpse into as we read 1 Chronicles chapter 11. It is an epic showdown between the hero and the villain, and the odds are stacked against the hero, and it looks like it's an impossible situation, but somehow the hero continues to fight, and he finds himself on top. At the, at the end of the movie, when the credits are rolling, we got Eleazar standing in this field while all of these Philistines are slaying around him and everyone who had the ability to, to escape has turned tail and they're running the other direction while one man stands on the field, sword in hand, victorious. Come on, that is a good ending to a movie. <laughs> and, and I think that that is the kind of story that all of us wanna be a part of. Not to cheesily apply some movie ending to our existence, but I think all of us are wired for and desire victory. I think all of us wanna be that kind of person that looks our enemy in the face or our situation in the face and says, I'm gonna hold my ground, I'm gonna keep fighting until I see victory, and no matter how badly I get beaten up, no matter how bloody I am in the spirit, I'm gonna hold this ground until I see what I've been praying for, until I see what I've been contending for, until I see what I've been fighting for. I think we're wired that way. God made us to be overcomers. He made us to be conquerors. And yet far too often we find the opposite to be true. Far too often in faith we see people retreating, defeated, running away from the battlefield when they should be fighting. But not Eleazar. Eleazar stood his ground. He said, I don't care how much the odds look like I'm gonna get taken out, I will fight. I'm calling on some Eleazars today. I wanna see some men and women that know how to fight even when the situation looks impossible. Some people that say, I'm gonna stand on this field and I'm gonna hold my ground until I see victory. And to that end, I, I wanna take a look at this story and go a little bit deeper because I think the reason God puts stories like this in scripture is to inspire us to live the same way. Every story we read in scripture is not to idolize some biblical character. It's because God wants us to embrace the characteristics of those who have seen victory in his word so that we can begin to see victory in our lives. And I think there's a few applications we can draw from this text in Eleazar's life and apply to our world so that we can see the same outcome, so that we can hold our ground as he did. So for you note takers, I got three of these today and I, I, I really believe over the next couple of moments that something's gonna stir up in your spirit. Number one, if we're gonna hold our ground this year, we need to remember what we're fighting for. Remember what you're fighting for. We are told that as the Philistines approach, Eleazar finds himself in a barley field in a region called Pasdamim, which is in the western part of Judah. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm gonna risk my life in battle for something, I'd like to make sure that what I'm fighting for is worth fighting for. I wanna make sure that it's something I'm willing to die for. Like if it's my kids, if it's my wife, if it's my family members, if it's most of the people in our church, <laughs> if it's our city, yeah, I'm, will I'm willing to go to bat for that. I'm willing to stand on the battlefield and give my life. 
but barley? <laughs> like literally one of the most common cereal grains on planet earth. Look at the back of any box of cereal and you'll find barley right there. Really, we're gonna risk our lives for some barley, huh? I love Captain Crunch as much as the next guy, but I'm not gonna die for it, you know what I mean? Like, this is barley. Like, Eleazar was willing to die for barley? What was so special about this field of barley that caused Eleazar to stand in the face of insurmountable odds and say, I'm willing to die for this? What was it about the barley? Well, nothing. It's barley. <laughs> I would submit to you that his audacity to stay on that field and fight had nothing to do with the contents of the field, but it had everything to do with his commitment to his king. See, this region is in a relatively significant place. Now, the barley in and of itself, it doesn't seem very important, and it, there's no intrinsic value to the barley, but this location had some history. The, the, the scripture tells us it's called Pas Damim. And Pas Damim in the Hebrew means boundary of blood. In other words, in the English, if we translate it, it would be as if to say, there has been a line drawn in the sand with blood and no enemy is allowed to cross over this line any longer. This has been a boundary established. This is my territory. The blood has already been spilled and you cannot cross over because this has already been paid for. This has already been fought for. Most theologians believe that this is the exact same field mentioned in 1 Samuel chapter 17 when then 16-year-old teenage David fought a guy by the name of Goliath who was also a Philistine and in, when the odds were stacked against him, and the entire army fled. He stood with a slingshot in his hand and he took down a giant and cut off his head, spilling his blood all over this field because that scripture says that it took place in damim. Damim meaning blood. Pause added after it became a boundary where David said, I have established this field with my victory and now that the boundary lines have been drawn, you Philistines can't come over here any longer. And yet here the Philistines come again, <laughs> knocking on the barley door, trying to make their way back into the same field that King David had already won. This was land that had already been paid for with blood and victory had already been won on it. Oh, come on, y'all better buckle up because we're gonna preach here for just a couple of minutes. Listen, Christian, listen to me. You are standing on ground that has already been won. You are standing on some territory that has already been paid for. As the preachers of old used to say, you are not fighting for victory, you are fighting from a position of victory. Victory has already been spoken for and the land, the ground has already been paid for. You might think you're fighting a battle right now that you can't win, but you're actually fighting a battle that has already been won. You might be fighting against sickness, but your healing has already been paid for. You might be fighting against guilt and you might be fighting against shame, but your forgiveness has already been paid for. You might be fighting against mental issues and peace of mind, but your peace has already been paid for. You might be fighting against an addiction or some kind of sin pattern that you can't shake, but your freedom has already been paid for. You serve a king and his name is Jesus. And Jesus already drew a boundary line in the sand with his blood and he declared, devil, you cannot cross over this boundary line any longer because I have already paid for this field. 
He bought your peace of mind with the blood on his brow. He bought your healing with the stripes on his back. He bought your forgiveness with the holes in his hand and he bought your freedom with the blood on his feet. He has already established a field of victory and where you're standing right now is ground that your God has already been to. Come on somebody, the only way you lose this battle is if you stop fighting. And I'm sweating and it's the first point. Come on somebody. This land has already been won. You gotta remember where you're standing. Remember what you're fighting for. Secondly, you need to remember who you're fighting with. Who you're fighting with. There's a phrase, um, people use it all the time right now and it's become relatively popular over the last couple of years. Uh, And it's a phrase that we use when we want to assure somebody that we're not going to leave their side while they're walking through a difficult season. Um, Maybe life has blown up or there's been a divorce or a death in the family and, you know, they feel like their drama is too much for you to handle and, you know, they're trying to back away from the relationship and not put too much on your shoulders. And if you really love somebody, you might throw this phrase out there. Hey, hey, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. You ever heard that before? I'm here for it. It's as if to say, it doesn't matter how bad things get or how many people leave you, I'm staying by your side, all right? I'm not going anywhere. And I truly appreciate the sentiment of that phrase. I've used it many times with people. And to the best of my ability, I try to keep my word. I try to stay by their side. But I don't know that anybody really has the ability to be there for everything. I think people mean well when they say it, but... I think we've all also experienced the opposite of that truth when people aren't there for it. When stuff really gets bad and you feel like you're on the battlefield fighting all alone and everybody else is retreated and no one is there for it. In fact, that was the reality that Eleazar faced. He walked onto a battlefield with a whole lot of soldiers surrounding him. The entire Israelite army was out there on on that barley field with him, ready to fight the Philistines. But when the situation got bad enough, what happened? Everybody else fled and left him as the only soldier on the battlefield. He looked around and said, there's no one here to fight with me. I'm in this fight alone. And I wonder how many people feel that reality right now. I mean, let's let's be honest, isolation and loneliness, these are our ever-present enemies right now. As shelter-in-place orders continue to extend and it's, they're indefinite now, we don't know when things are going to change. You can FaceTime and you can call and all of that stuff is well and good for a season, but I think there's a lot of people that feel like they've been left standing on a battlefield by themselves, trying to fight, try, trying to overcome, but looking to their right and to their left and realizing, I got nobody shoulder to shoulder with me to fight this fight. And and if that's where you feel you might be living today, let let me remind you of a truth that the great prophet Michael Jackson preached through one of his songs. You are not alone. I am here with you. And though we're far apart, you're always in my... You are not alone. Okay, stop. You're not alone. I I may not be with you, (laughs) but there's somebody that's still with you. Because even though the entire army left Eleazar on the battlefield, there was still somebody with him. Who was with him? Yeah, David. Not just David, 
King David. Not just King David, but King David who had stood on that battlefield before and was an experienced warrior against the Philistines and knew what he was doing, knew how to fight against an enemy that looked larger than him. King David was by Eleazar's side. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The king is by your side. Come on, somebody. The king is by your side. This is so important. I know we don't feel it sometimes, and I know because God is, is not standing physically right next to us, we feel isolated and we feel alone, but you have a king that is standing by your side. And you need to remember the kind of king that is standing by your side. Is, is he the Jesus that picks you up when you fall? Yeah, he is. Is he the friend that sticks closer than a brother? Absolutely he is. Is he gentle in spirit? Yes, he is. Is he slow to get angry? Yeah, that's what the Bible says about him. But may we not forget that he is also a mighty warrior. He is an all-consuming fire. As Joshua met him on the top of that hill, he is the captain of the Lord's army, and you do not get to become captain without going through a couple of battles. Our God is a warrior. Do not buy into the false image of Jesus that you've seen painted on the side of the wall or on your grandma's pillow. Yeah, he is not the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, luscious locks, tunic-wearing, lamb-holding Jesus, all right? No, he's a warrior. He is a mighty king. Revelation 19 says that his eyes are like fire and he's riding on a white horse with a robe that's dipped in blood and there's a sword that's coming out of his mouth. He's a mighty God. He's a battle warrior. He's a king that's standing by your side ready to fight. He flips tables. He swings sword. He slays demons. Come on, he is a mighty warrior kind of God. And he is not gonna leave you on the battlefield. He's not gonna walk away with the rest of your friends or the rest of your family and the rest of the army and say, you're gonna have to figure this one out on your own, Eleazar. He is standing shoulder to shoulder with you and he is fighting. He is here for it and he is here for all of it. He's not going anywhere. And remember, he's been here before. He's fought this battle before. You're not the first person to ever walk through what you're walking through right now. I don't mean to demean your situation, but it's not that unique. There is somebody else who has walked in your shoes. In fact, the Bible says of Jesus in the book of Hebrews that he faced everything on this planet that we would face, and yet he was victorious over it. So rest assured that the warrior standing by your side is not inexperienced, and he does not know how to fight the fight you're facing. No, he is capable, he is willing, and he has already been down this road before, honey. He has the ability to fight that enemy and to slay it, and you will see victory if you just stand by his side and fight. You gotta remember who is with you. Last thought, last thought, and I'm gonna invite the band to come as, as we conclude. If you are going to hold your ground in 2021, you need to get a grip. <laughs> I love that phrase, get a grip. Come on, someone freaking out around you and I don't know what's gonna happen. I just know things are bad. <laughs> yo, yo, hey, get a grip. I love that phrase. Turns out it's really good advice, especially if someone's freaking out in the middle of a fight to get a grip. There is a second account of this story, as I mentioned earlier, in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 23. And there is a particular detail that's been redacted from the First Chronicles setup that 
I think is important if we're going to truly hold our ground in 2021. It's, a, it's found in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse nine. It says this, uh, and next to him among the three mighty men was Eleazar, again, son of Dodo, sorry about that. Uh, he was with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle and the men of Israel withdrew. And then check this out. He rose and struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave to the sword. One translation says, and his hand froze to his sword. I want you to get this picture. Eleazar standing in this field. The Philistine army is approaching. Everybody else retreats. It's him and the king on the field. Eleazar looks down at his hand, he looks down at his sword, and he tightens his grip. He gets white knuckled with his sword. He says, I'm not letting go of this thing. And I don't know how long the battle took. I'd imagine it was not a short ordeal. As he just begins to swing his sword and take out Philistine after Philistine, never loosening his grip. Knuckles probably bloody and it says that his hand, it claved to his sword like concrete. One might even say it was set, it was established, it was permanent. He clung to his sword. Listen to me, if you are going to hold your ground in 2021, you have got to get a grip on your weaponry and you cannot let go. Now I know that Many of you, especially those that have been around the church for a little while, body of Christ for a bit, you know where I'm about to go with this. You know what comes next in this sermon. You're already drawing that conclusion in your head. But knowing what I'm about to say and doing what I'm about to say are two entirely different things. So I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna say it again. You need to cling to your sword. This is your sword. This is your weapon. Ephesians 6, it is the only weapon that is listed among the armor of God. The word of the Lord, the sword of the spirit, and it is mighty to take down your enemy. There is nothing that works more powerfully than the word of God. Ask Jesus in Matthew chapter four as he squared off with the enemy. Revelation 19 says that the word of the Lord, the sword of the spirit is coming out of his mouth as he comes to declare victory on planet earth and establish a new heaven and a new earth. This is your sword. I am convinced that Christians live defeated lives because they are biblically illiterate. They do not know what the word of God has to say. So they buy into conspiracy theories and they try to find truth everywhere, but they never go to the source. And they're trying to cling to something that makes sense in the middle of their fight. And they're clinging to false hopes and they're clinging to coping mechanisms and they're clinging to bad advice from friends. But they have already been issued a weapon to cling to if they would just pick it up and begin to wield it. Let me ask you today, do you have a grip on your word? Do you know the Bible? Do you read it? Do you love it? Do you memorize it? Is it hidden in your heart? Or like an unsheathed sword, does it sit on your nightstand or on your bookshelf collecting dust? If so, you've got no weapon when the battle comes. You've got nothing to fight with. 
You're gonna get taken out time and time again. I don't know why I just keep falling into the same sin. Because you're not fighting with the weapon that's been issued to you. But if you are clinging to the Word of God, if you have a grip, when temptation comes, you can say 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there is no temptation that has overtaken me except for that which is common to man, but God is faithful. And even in the midst of this temptation, I'm gonna be able to stand up underneath it. When you feel guilty and you feel ashamed, you can say Romans 8, 1, so that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. He loves me and he's forgiven me. When you're facing fears and you don't know what tomorrow holds, 2 Timothy 1, 7, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And when every Philistine on planet earth is trying to come into your field and walk over a boundary line that's been established, you can say Isaiah 54 says that no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And they might have weapons and they might be using them, but I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus and I will not be taken out because this land has already been purchased. This victory has already been won. You gotta get a grip this year. Get serious about this. I'm gonna get angry. I'm gonna be your angry dad or uncle for just a moment. Listen, quit messing around and thinking you're gonna see victory without swinging your sword. Pick up your Bible, get in a Bible reading plan. Get a grip on His Word and watch how your enemies begin to fall at your side as you begin to use what He's already given you. You gotta remember what you're fighting for. You gotta remember who you're fighting with. And you gotta cling to the Word of God this year if you're gonna see victory. I think if we do those three very simple things, I think we're going to see the reality that Eleazar saw. Here's what it says at the conclusion of his movie. At the end of the story, it says in 2 Samuel 23, and the Lord gave him a great victory that day. Great victory is yours for the taking this year. Fight the good fight of faith. Cling to the Word of God. Don't back down. And let's see some victories in 2021 where we saw defeat in 2020. Amen? Amen. I want to pray for you before we conclude. Uh, if you would bow your head, close your eyes even at home and those in this room. Jesus, I thank you that, God, you, you've called us and you've equipped us to fight. You didn't walk us out onto a battlefield and said, figure this out in your flesh, but you gave us everything we need to be victorious. Right now, I pray that every believer calls San Francisco or the greater Bay Area home, every believer that is a part of this church would stand in line and in rank and that we would fight this year. I speak to every area where you feel defeated, every area where it feels like the enemy has crossed over that boundary line, has made his way back into a field that you thought you already won. Keep fighting, Eleazar. Blood has already paid for that victory. Steady your weak knees. Get a grip on your sword again and let's fight for what God has called us to fight for this year. And even as I'm praying this, I know that there's probably some people watching today that would say, hey, Tim, I, I, I do want to engage in this battle and I, I do feel like I've been defeated, but I don't know how to fight. I don't, I don't know if I've been issued a sword. I, I don't even know if I'm a part of this army. Fighting starts with enlistment. It starts with saying yes to being a part of this family of God, this army of God. If you're listening or watching today and you would say, Tim, I'm far from Jesus and I'm, I'm not even sure I'm, I'm, I'm called among the warriors. I wanna fix that. I wanna pray a very simple prayer with you and words of the prayer are not that important. The condition of your heart is, but if you need to make a decision today to follow Jesus, whether it's for the first time or 
come back to him today. I, I want you to pray these words in your heart with me. Say, Jesus, today I give you my life. I thank you for giving your life for mine. I wanna follow you. I've lived at a distance and I've done my own thing for too long. Forgive me today of my sin. Forgive me of my past. I believe you are who you say you are and I believe that you're the only one who can forgive me and give me a new course in this life. And so I submit my life to you. I'm gonna follow you the rest of my days. Help me to be your disciple until I see you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, can we just thank God for every single one of those that prayed that prayer today? Listen, if you, if you just prayed that, at the Father's house, we are so incredibly passionate about helping you take your next steps. We think that's the most important decision you'll ever make on planet Earth. And we would hate for you to make that without knowing what to do next. And so let me give you a couple of your next steps. First, if you prayed that prayer and you're watching on our live stream, I want you to click the little button that says, raise my hand. Acknowledge, hey, I prayed that prayer and I'm starting this new journey. And you'll see a bunch of people celebrate with you right there on the chat. If you're watching this from the YouTube channel or you're listening later, uh, there is a link in the YouTube or you can text TFHSF to 97,000 and we'll get one of the connect cards right there to your phone. We're gonna ask you for a little bit of information about yourself and it's not because we want to haunt you, it's because we wanna help you take these next steps. Someone from our team is gonna reach out to you this week. They're gonna tell you about something called First 40. For the first 40 days of your faith, we take personal responsibility for you. We're gonna teach you how to read the Bible, how to pray, what godly community looks like. And most importantly, we're gonna tell you about water baptism. One of the greatest battles you'll ever win where the old version of yourself goes down into those waters and a new creation comes out and you get to live in freedom according to Romans chapter six. If you have not yet been water baptized, that is your next step. But again, we just wanna make sure you start this journey out strong. Also, if you don't have a Bible, we'll make sure we get one of those to you this week as well. Uh, for everybody else, if you need prayer for anything, we've got some live folks standing by that would love to pray with you. You can click that prayer button in the live stream. Otherwise, we love you so much. Thank you for joining us for church at home today. And we will see you back same time, same place next week. Have an amazing Sunday. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.